a mysterious alien known as the Meep has made an emergency landing in Blackcastle, where he is found by two children. Meanwhile, the Doctor and K-9 meet up with the alien's pursuers, the Wrath Warriors. That is the introductory text to the second issue of Doctor Who and the Star Beast by Pat Mills and John Wagner. Is it Wrath Warriors or Wraith Warriors? I think it's Wrath. Well, it we'll, Wrath? we'll we'll get on to that. <laughs> right, okay. I don't know is the answer. I look forward to finding out when we see an adaptation of, of this very <laughs> yeah. same story. If for... only somebody was making one. Yeah. Ah! Well, it, well, it's spelt W-R-A-R-T-H. Oh. So it's not Wrath. There is one uh, strip that misprints it, presumably, as, as just Wrath. Mm. But I don't think it's Wraith, because there's no I in it, but Wrath, I guess. Yes, you're right. <clears throat> well, we may be made a fool of in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> We're prepared to take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, some big insectoid bad lads from space. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, the forthcoming uh, 60th anniversary special is called The Star Beast. Sadly, not Doctor Who and The Star Beast. We can't have everything. And following the sort of time-honored tradition of adaptations in Doctor Who, like the astoundingly brilliant uh, Human Nature was an adaptation of a novel uh, written by Paul Cornell, who also wrote the the TV version. Um, And uh, in in our previous episode, we, we touched upon... Colin Baker's Big Finish stories and Dalek from uh, Chris Freckleson's first series was loosely adapted from a Big Finish story called Jubilee. But I didn't some, know that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and some people reckon that uh, Rise of the Cybermen is, is sort of adapted from spare parts, but I think World Enough and Time and The Doctor Falls are, are share much more of the DNA of, of spare parts in terms of the sort of Cyberman origin stories. There's there's an orbital track called Spare Parts Express, which right. I find to be a really evocative title. Um, and knowing that there was a Big Finish audio production uh, about the Cybermen called Spare Parts, I always get images of Cybermen ah. in my head when I listen to Spare Parts Express. So as soon as you mention World Enough and Time, I get the opening chimes of that track oh, appearing in my cool. head. that's so very cool. There's the little sort of and like uh, tangential rabbit hole I've gone down there. Yeah, well, I mean, Orbital are big Doctor Who fans, yeah. famously. They're kind of part of the Hooniverse. Very much so, yeah. Um, but yeah, enough about Cybermen. Uh, Doctor Who and the Star Beast. So the Star Beast refers to Beep the Meep, which there was, there was much... Uh, jubilation in god when was it september 2021 when it was announced that russell t davies will be returning as showrunner to doctor who to helm the 60th anniversary celebrations i remember it well i remember you rang me and i was on a call (laughs) at work and i I had to i was so desperate (laughs) you can't put that in a text i was really struggling with my job at the time actually and it was like a huge ray of sunshine Mm -hmm. in a, a dark day that so Thank you, Russell, and thank you, but, Chris. But mainly me, yeah. <laughs> mainly, mainly you, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we know who the hero is here. <laughs> and one of the first things he said, and it was almost flippantly at first, was, I'm going to bring Beep the Meat back. Did he say that? Yeah, it was right. in a really <laughs> okay. early interview, and it wasn't. it was before anything was announced. I think this was 
this was when we knew that David Tennant was going to be in the 60th. Which was announced May 2022. Yeah. But it, of course, they didn't actually un- officially unveil him as the 14th Doctor until October last yeah, year. Yeah, because they were very guarded with the mm. wording. They said David Tennant and Catherine Tate are filming scenes yes, for the 60th, yes. which made it sound like they'd be a kind of Flashback. part of a larger tapestry yeah, or yeah. something. Um, and I remember when, when it was officially announced that uh, Shuti Gatro was the new Doctor or the next Doctor they didn't number him but all the press did they were calling him the 14th mm. Doctor so it was only in October 2022 egg on their faces now <laughs> um, as there might be on ours when we find out how Wrath Warriors <laughs> yes, is pronounced it's very true we'll be in the sin bin with the Daily Mirror I feel like I'm being posh. Um, <laughs> it's but certain words, you know, like James Masters. I'll mm. I'll, I'll say Masters if it's got a, an extra R in it. Yeah. Well, a good good comparison, and maybe Wrath is to Wrath as Scone is to Scone, or maybe the other way around. I've no idea. <laughs> but um, we're not talking about baked goods, which or is unusual. This is unusual for us. <laughs> um, and. I think perhaps dimly at the back of my mind when I heard Russell say so with such delight uh, I'm bringing beep the meat back I thought do I know what that is um, but I didn't realize she was being serious for quite a while but in the meantime I'd googled the meep and thought okay <laughs> <laughs> but then it you know there were further interviews and he was so enthusiastic about it and I thought no this is genuine and then of course now we have the trailer and um, beep the meep in the flesh, uh, or fur, I should say. Um, so the comic was published in Doctor Who magazine, or Doctor Who Weekly, as it was then. Um, in the uh, And they, they had serialised stories running as comics, which they do to this day. And we're currently enjoying the adventures of the 14th Doctor in comic book form. So some of you are waiting for David Tennant's, you know, first proper story in a couple of weeks. But... Uh, for some of us, we've been enjoying the 14th Doctor's adventures for n- nearly a year now. No, over a year. Anyway, <coughs> I digress. Comics. Yes, it's a comic book at breakfast. <laughs> but what was what was your knowledge of, of Beep the Meep? I knew of the existence of Beep the Meep from a time... Bef- we discovered Doctor Who in the nether years mm. when it wasn't on screen um, through our local video libraries and UK Gold. And I remember wanting to like deep dive and explore mm. all there was to know about doctor who and i was staying in edinburgh um and i was about 16 i think i was there on my own and i thought well, i'll buy a book um as my only companion <laughs> and um <laughs> i bought a doctor who i think it was a new adventures book it was a sylvester mccoy book and i can't remember the title of it but it was about giant ants and it was Really I know creepy, the one. Yeah, I can picture the yeah. cover in my mind. I can't remember what it was called. But it was it was very grown up as well. And I'm sure in that edition there was a reference to some other Doctor Who material. And I'm sure there was a reference to Beep the Meep. Oh, wow. Now, I might be misremembering that and I might just be confounding things. But Beep the Meep appeared on my subconscious radar around the same time that novel did. But I always thought that it was a 1980s story that was the sixth or seventh doctor uh i didn't realize that he Uh. belonged previously in a fourth doctor story and now belongs in a 14th doctor story so yeah he's always been kind of out there on the peripheries of my who law knowledge (laughs) i say he 
Um, he, yes. We, okay. We we worried mm. about this on the day of the Doctor episode, but in the comic, at least, the Meep is a he. I know that Beep is voiced by Miriam Margulies. Yes. Um, who uh, is a wonderfully outspoken... <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was wonderfully outspoken about Doctor Who. Never watched it. Don't like sci-fi. <laughs> then she said she hated fantasy uh, and said, oh, I can't stand Harry Potter. And then it was it was in, in Doctor Who magazine. I think it was Emily Cook interviewing her. I said, well, weren't you in Harry Potter? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I hate it. <laughs> she's, she's very entertaining. National um, treasure. And I think I think most of the time her views are pretty spot on and I think there've been a few instances where she's said stuff in a hurry sometimes but she's gone away and reflected on it and I I know recently she made some comments on the Graham Norton show about changing her stance on trans people and being more progressive. So Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I was very keen on grammar. And so when people started talking about pronouns and mm. that they wanted them and not he, she. I thought it would be talked about, but it, it's clear, it's grammar, it's the structure of language. But I met a wonderful actress in Australia, Zoe Tarakis. Do you know oh, who I mean? Yeah. She's a brilliant actress. Yeah. And she's trans. Mm. And I, she had a discussion with me about it. And she said, what does it matter to you if you can make somebody happy by calling them they instead of he or she? Why not do it? And I thought, that's right. It doesn't matter about grammar. <laughs> if you can make someone happy and give them a sense of themselves, then do it. Absolutely. And so I'm now somebody who uses they and all the rest of it. <laughs> Whatever they want me to say, yes. I'll say it. I, I don't think Russell T Davies would work with somebody no, who is openly anti-trans. And indeed, today there's been that story published. Yes. Um, what was the quote? Um, In response to some... Uh, uh, anti-trans viewers, uh, he came out and said, shame on you and good luck to you in your lonely lives. <laughs> Go Thank on, Russell. Much, Russell. Um, and we'll come back to that in a minute. So so it was clear that it wa he wasn't just being kitsch or nostalgic or even ironic. There was a real sincerity there. Mm. And of course, it made me want to go out and read the comic, uh, which I did. Um, and so, you know, spoiler warning, because I think genuinely that the obviously there's so much more going on in this episode. We've got the the 14th Doctor, you know, we're going to find out presumably why he's 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 got this familiar face. We're going to find out what's happening with Donna Noble. We're going to find out presumably what's going on with the toy maker. So much new stuff to explore. But at its core, from what I've read in the latest Doctor Who magazine, it does seem to be uh, a fairly faithful adaptation of the actual story. And that being the case, I've not read the comic, mm. and I would ask you to be careful about yes. what you say, because well, I almost don't, know, it, don't it, want to know too it, much. Exactly. So, 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 yeah. so thank you for listening. Yeah, yeah we'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I guess I'll give a spoiler warning at a point. Um, mm. But so basically, and you'll, you'll have gathered this from the trailer of the Star Beast, um, the forthcoming episode, not the comic. To just so we can differentiate them, I'm going to refer to the comic, the fourth Doctor comic, as mm. Doctor Who and the Star Beast. Okay. And we'll refer to the fourteenth Doctor uh, television special as the Star Beast. So, what do you know about Beep the Meep other than that it, it's a character from the comic? I. So, my understanding that may be wrong is that Beep the Meep appears on earth um 
is found with some human companions who thinks they're cute and cuddly um and then the wrath warriors Mm -hmm. arrive shortly afterwards and they're looking for an alien being but i genuinely don't know whether the wrath warriors are like vigilante characters okay who are hunting beep because beep's actually evil or if beep is a benevolent alien and the wrath warriors are the villains and I kind of don't want to know. Oh, well, in that I... case, okay, so yeah. no spoiler warning. There are no, no spoilers. But right, that's okay, because okay, the most interesting things about it, cause, yeah, so basically um, a spaceship crashes in Black Castle mm. and two teenagers called Sharon and Fudge. Uh, <laughs> Fudge. Yeah, and I can spoil things about Sharon. Well, I can spoil things about Sharon because she's not going to be in the TV adaptation, but apparently Fudge is. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, they they follow a trail mm. and they find an alien who survived the crash and it's beep the meep this cute furry creature and in a very kind of et-esque vein uh they bring it back to their house and uh meanwhile and this is something that won't be in the in the 14th doctor version but for some reason the wrath warriors who are on the, on the trail hunting down the meep they think that the doctor uh, is an ally of the meep i think just because he's mm. arrived on earth at the same time uh, so in, in in a plot worthy of a James Bond villain, they think that the the, the, the most expedient way to dispatch of the meep is to knock the doctor out, uh, <laughs> operate on him by surgically implanting a bomb in his stomach, <laughs> and then let him go thinking he's escaped, thinking, aha, when he goes to see the meep, the doctor will explode and take the meep with it. But David Tennant's not getting a bomb in his stomach. Allegedly. Right. Okay. <laughs> but... Um, and yeah, the story. So I won't, I won't spoil how the story ends because similarly, it will, will end very, well, very, very similarly on television. But I want to talk about sort of why this story of all mm. the stories. And when I first read it, I thought, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, yeah, it was a fun uh, Doctor Who alien story. It's definitely spoken about a lot, though. Like it's one of those things. As somebody who's quite dorky and mm. whilst I no, don't do are the- you? Whilst I don't do the whole big finish thing, I love forums and I mm. I love going on Reddit and reading about Doctor Who and I love going on music forums as well and I love kind of the endless speculation of the things and I love all the tiny details of things. Um, and Beep the Meep and the Ralph Warriors and the Star Beast has been spoken about yeah. on, on Reddit I, and Outpost Galathrae for years. And I get it yeah. now. I get it now because it took me a while to reflect because what it is, I'm reading this in in 2023 um with all of modern doctor who in my head and now mm. and, you know and i'm, a, and I'm a, an old school fan i didn't come to doctor who in 2005 but you know a lot of time has passed since then and doctor who has kind of changed a bit and our perception of it has changed and so it's very easy to see things that are quite radical and be dismissive of them mm. like it's incredible if you go back and watch survival um which obviously you've never seen because you don't even know that the planet's <laughs> sentient but <laughs> um how much dna it shares with with modern doctor who i should just say yeah chris did let me come back into the podcast <laughs> after i got relegated at the end of the last episode on the condition that i go home and do my homework and rewatch survival immediately yeah. <laughs> um just don't get a question wrong this time <laughs> god knows what would happen uh the wrath warriors will be after you um uh but it's domestic it's an alien crash landing in a kind of normal area of england mm. no one's plummy or middle class and oh, even right. even though it's um you know it, it, it's it's dialogue it's you know speech bubbles for mm. whatever better um 
description. So we can't hear the characters, but the way their dialogue is written, they don't seem, you know, Doctor Who extras in the classic series were all a bit rader, weren't they? <laughs> yes. Whereas these kind of speak a little bit more normally. And there's that idea that these kids have an alien in their house, on their ordinary house, on their ordinary street. Mm. And then it clicked and thought, this is Russell's Doctor Who. Ah, right. Because this this comic came out in 1980. So what was what was on telly in 1980? It's like Logopolis, State of Decay, that kind of thing. Mm. Kind of, um, I'll be honest, not my. I love all Doctor Who, but that's not my favorite era because I like the kind of the warmth of the 70s, kind of gothic horror or the the Unit Family, mm. you know, uh, or the creepy, you know, the, the creepiness of the black and white era. But like we discussed in the last episode. In the 80s, it became very studio-based mm. and a bit wobbly and a bit bright and a bit science fiction heavy in terms of the content. Whereas this, I realise now, it, the DNA is so incredibly different mm. to what was on television at the time. And how old would Russell have been in 1980? Might he, he have been part of the audience reading this planting oh, well, yeah, yeah, seeds he was. Yeah, and so was future. David Tennant. David Tennant oh, remembers right. this. Oh, wow. It was really sweet that the oh. authors were saying, I can't believe you know David Tennant read this as a teenager. Uh, uh, no, probably as a child. Even. No, as, yeah, and then grew up to be. Well, Russell is the same age as Doctor Who. He was born in 1963. Oh, right, so. okay. So he would have been 17. 17, yeah. And, and David, David Tennant would have been about 8. David Tennant's about 50, isn't he? 52. 52. So he must have been born in 1971. So yeah, he would have been 9. Yeah. Crazy, um, isn't it? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and and also and something that again it didn't really register at first but i mentioned so there are two characters there's fudge um who apparently is going to be in the in the tv version as is a school friend uh, of the character sharon in the comic um uh but sharon's character is basically sort of replaced by rose donna noble's daughter and it, it only kind of twigged sort of halfway through uh, in the comic sharon's black mm. and at the end of the story, she actually leaves with the fourth Doctor to become the Doctor's companion. <laughs> right. So even though it's a comic, but right. it is canon, it's in it's in Doctor Who Weekly. Sharon was the the first person of colour in the TARDIS. Right. Something like what twenty seven years before the actual oh. TV series had a black companion. So in that respect, it's so progressive, and so in a way that it doesn't really twig read it, reading it, you know, thirty odd years later. But actually, to appreciate it for what it is of its time, you think this tiny piece of doctor who history is a huge stepping stone to the show we have today yeah. and, and the longevity of it and i thought god i get it now this is wonderful that's incredible and i'm trying to think like if any of the bme side cast had appeared in the tardis before then i'm just thinking about black characters that appeared in other stories and I, don't I don't think know. any of them ever joined the crew, did they? I, you know, occasionally, sometimes people will all end up in the TARDIS. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, like, well, I suppose unit were companions. I was going to say the three doctors, <laughs> Benton <laughs> yeah, and the yeah, Brigadier, yeah. end up in the TARDIS. Um, but, you know, sometimes they they pick up, uh, like, supporting characters and they'll come yeah. along for the ride. And I'm trying to think if any of... I, I guess sad fact was there probably weren't that many bme mm, actors mm. portraying supporting characters in the early stories but i would say doctor who was more progressive in that sense than a lot of shows oh yeah yeah of that time and this is an example of that you know star beast doesn't exist mm. in a vacuum it's part of doctor who it's yeah. continuing those stories and you know to sort of to paraphrase uh matt smith's uh final lines before his regeneration times change and so must we 
Yeah. And um, so we mentioned that, that the character of Sharon has, I say, been replaced or more like conflated uh, to, to bring, you know, to it's great because Sharon has a mother in it who's like, oh, you know, bloody aliens in my house kind of. Um, and that's her family and now the noble family. And it's a way of bringing, and it's wonderful because it, it's a story about a spaceship crashing uh, on, a, on a normal in- English town or city or whatever. Um, and what a great plot vehicle to bring Donna back into it. You know, to have, she mustn't ever remember her adventures with the Doctor, yeah. otherwise her mind will burn. And then say, well, what happens if, if, a, if a spaceship crash lands in her backyard? <laughs> what then? And it's a perfect way of, of melding the two stories. So I think, I mean, what it remains to be seen, because I haven't seen the episode, but I think that, uh, you know, Sharon and Rose seem to have been merged rather than one replacing the other. And I think, again, talking of firsts and progressions, I think uh, Rose, that is Rose Donna Noble's daughter, not Rose Tyler. <laughs> uh, presumably she's called Rose Temple Noble. Yes, she must be. Um, yeah. is, is Donna referred to as Donna Temple Noble? In the end of time, mm. uh, uh, the doctor says she's going to be, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Donna Noble Temple. He says, no, 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 <laughs> Donna Temple Noble. <laughs> um, uh, I've forgotten her husband's name. Sean? Sean, yeah. He's back, and Sylvia's back. Um, yeah, the, the whole gang. The gang's back. back together, but they now have a, a teenage daughter called Rose, uh, who is trans. And again, I think that will be the first trans companion on screen in Doctor Who. I think she probably is. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like very right to have read this comic from 1980, which depicted the first black companion to have that character now mm. you know 30 blazing odd years later again. it's still blazing the trail yeah and i thought that was really wonderful and also i got thinking about that about the fact that rose is trans because in my head when i heard that um donna had a daughter called rose i thought oh she remembers somewhere yeah. deep down she remembers turn left if donna can ever remember the events of turn left or at least saving the world uh, subconsciously uh, with rose yeah. tyler uh, where, uh, and uh, from from davros and the rea- reality bomb but then, of course, it suddenly occurred to me just the other day. I thought, well, actually, if Rose is trans, then presumably she was assigned male at birth, which means she would have had a different name. So, because I um, obviously don't know too much about the story, is the character Rose Temple Noble trans within the story, or is it that the actor playing the character is trans, but it won't be discussed in the story i yeah i didn't really think about it until uh just the other day when i was reading the latest doctor who magazine mm. and they were they were talking about you know the difference between the 10th and the 14th doctor saying same face but he's not the same man mm. because he's older uh both the actor playing him and the character is much older it says uh take the doctor he's wearing the face of an old favorite but this is most definitely a new man what he is is 15 years older says russell and David brings that. That's written on David's face. And I mean that nicely. Genuinely, his eyes are older. His mind is a bit older. But there are moments, another pause for spoilers, he does say and do things he'd have never said and done before. Also, he's just changed from being a woman in front of our eyes. As a Time Lord, he takes it in his stride. But it's a lot more complicated in real life. And we have to look at that. Mm, I thought it was very, we have to look at that. And it, I think don't, I don't think he means like, socially even though we do i think he means like in terms of the script so it was something that i hadn't even thought about until i thought actually and and i was reading an interview with yasmin finney who who plays rose mm. uh 
and she was saying like how ex- like she desperately want who wouldn't want to be in Doctor Who, which oh. <laughs> they were casting uh, uh, a, a it was a part available for a mixed trans girl, mm. and she said, "Oh my God, I'm like you know." She's, but she said there was a long list, but they told me I was on it, and like she she thought there's no way I'm going to get this, uh, but she did, and she was delighted. Um, but the fact that they were deliberately casting for for a trans girl made me think well the ca- it must be the character right, and the okay, fact that yes. the, he's basically said they're going to address the fact that the doctor is saying well you know 10 minutes ago as a woman mm. uh, they're going to talk about gender but and that's the brilliant thing that doctor who has always done yes. uh, take kind of you know real world issues but but wrap them up in a kind of fantastical i don't even want to say sci-fi i'm going to say fantasy a fantasy bow mm. you know look at the green death uh, look at uh, sea devils look at frontier in space and what they taught us about environmental issues and politics and war and you know, and doctor who makes these things accessible to people wrapping them up in stories and exactly yeah positive ideals and, and positive questions in people's head by f- telling stories and i think russell does that wonderfully he's the best person mm. for the job i think um, and i think there's probably people that may be a fan of russell t davies work but aren't as interested in doctor mm, who. i, I mm. doubt there's many to be honest because yeah. <laughs> the, the wonderful writing shines through but there's probably people that think why isn't he writing more stuff that's socially conscious, like more politically based stuff, like it's a sin and years and years. But I bet the same messages will be worn like the heart on its sleeve throughout those Doctor Who oh, scripts. Oh, 100%. But in a clever way, wrapped yeah. up in it, brilliant adventures yeah, that will absolutely put positive ideas into the minds of kids and adults watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, what was it he said recently in that interview that we got to assume the mind watching the story is eight years mm. old, but they actually might be a, a grown up because the, Doctor Who I think appeals to the the child, well the the inner child in all mm. of us. The Tom Baker thing. What's the point in being grown grown up if you can't be childish from time to time? And I think that when you change your mind or something or when you evolve, it's the childish part of you because as adults we're stubborn and set in our ways, but as children we're full of wonder and we're open to change and we're, we're receptive to learn and be educated and accept new things going to go down my my rabbit hole about neural pathways okay well i was thinking you know maybe i will but 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 yeah to go back so i i think i'm i think the character is trans because they've they've made a point for Mm. they wanted to cast a trans actress for the role which i say on the one hand is is it feels like a wonderful part of the legacy of star beast and how sort of progressive it was um but also from, from a purely plot perspective like say if we assume that this character was somebody who was assigned male at birth we don't know what Donna would have christened her. Mm. Um, so Rose... Or, or, or named her. She might oh, not have had a christening. That's a good point. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Um, but presumably, like, Rose has named herself. Mm. Is it coincidence? Or is it, um, like, inherited memory? Ancestral is, memory. Ancestral yeah. memory. Because because Rose... Uh, this is getting so confusing with two Roses. Rose Temple Noble, as Donna's daughter, will presumably be part time lord yes i'd not thought yeah. of that. that's interesting because the doctor the whole meta crisis yeah that wow. hasn't gone away mm. so that's fascinating like the relationship between rose and, and the doctor and also because you know the doctor and donna merged and you know the, the doctor was had this you know relationship with rose so she's still there at the back of donna's mind wow. that's inc- i'm so excited for that half human on my father's side <laughs> <laughs> which sort of brings me to again there have been sort of clickbaity things about um 
There's an enormous amount of documentary well, yeah, yeah, yeah. at the time of recording this. Yeah, about you know, so a lot of people were wanting Russell to um to, to retcon or whatever the whole timeless children storyline, uh, which is not the kind of thing he would do. Uh, and he's he's since come out and said, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't you know, rewrite anything. Chris Chibnall's done that would be disrespectful. And some people were kind of dismayed by that. But I think look, it's Russell. He's probably never going to mention it. And <laughs> and there's a big difference between deliberately going out of your way to retcon something and just not mentioning it and a classic example of that is the fact that in the 96 tv movie paul mcgann's doctor is stated canonically to be half human now i always just assumed oh he's just joking (laughs) no 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 because the master later on when he's trying to add the ridiculous plot about looking into the eye of harmony or something and and he can't he can't do it himself he's oh so the doctor is half human that was my eric roberts voice well, the master just takes things too far. He takes a joke too far. Clearly. I think I think it was the toy maker. <laughs> My, the, <laughs> yes. the point the point being, like canonically, the Doctor's name is Theta Sigma. Mm. Canonically, the Doctor's name is Doctor Who. Like there is, as Stephen Moffat has always said, there is no canon in Doctor Who. We as fans are given stuff, and we just decide what we keep. And we didn't keep the Doctor being half human. We didn't keep Theta Sigma. Mm. You know, and time will tell. Um, but. but so that's the star beast very 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 briefly summarized it's difficult to say more without spoiling it yes please don't spoil it for me um but i guess if you want to know more read the comic uh which has recently been reprinted in an anthology uh but uh yeah i'm i get it now from from Mm. being a bit baffled by because beat the meep is ridiculous But so much in Doctor Who is ridiculous. Of course, yeah. And, and you get the impression, like, to a degree, it's a cute little thing. They're going to make Beep the Meep dolls and plushies oh, yeah. and action figures. It's kind of Doctor Who doing um, a sort of Star Wars kind of Baby <laughs> yeah. Yoda type thing, which is kind of appropriate in a way. Now it's kind of got this deal with Disney. And crucially, Disney money, because that's another thing about the Star Beast. It has an alien spaceship crash landing. Yeah, and from the trailer, like... <laughs> It looks like the budget has gone way up. Yeah, and and that's you know that's the thing that people always say about comics. And in fact, David Tennant was talking about the Star Beast and saying, you know, in the eighties, the comics were more exciting than what was on telly <laughs> yeah. because there was you know infinite budget effectively. You know, yes. ink ink costs the same amount whether you're drawing a field or or a spaceship. You know, the budget um, is your imagination. The and only so, limits. Well, it feels very fitting in a way that you know that the comic finally gets an adaptation. You know, in twenty twenty three, when we have proper serious disney money behind doctor who so so that's doctor who and the star beast and we may be back to discuss the star beast which will be coming out in novel form yes very 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 soon i'm incredibly excited yes they've not done a five doctors though and published the novel before it aired (laughs) um but well I'll, i'll leave you to to speculate on that further but before we before we sign off it's uh it's time to to put ourselves on the spot again ah yes let's reach for our by now old friend reach the for Doctor the star Who beast book yasmin khan ryan sinclair and graham o'brien joined the 13th doctor aboard the tardis in 2018 after defeating tim shaw in sheffield tim shaw what did the doctor lovingly call her friends <laughs> was it a her fam b her pals or see 
her band. It's her fam. <laughs> <laughs> that was an easy one. Yeah, it was. Uh, come on, I've got to have an easy one this time. Well, no I picked pick them completely planets. at random. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. It's so random, it's uh, not a question. I've done that. I've done it again. Okay. Many brilliant actors have taken on the role of the master. Who was the youngest actor to portray the Time Lord? Oh, I don't know if I know this off the top of my head. Is it A, Sasha Darwin, B, John Sim, or C, William Hughes? Which one was William Hughes? Right, I don't know. But I'm going <laughs> to... So I, I think... Right, so Sasha Darwin and John Sim were probably both about 35, I reckon. Yeah. But I don't know who William Hughes is. However, in... Last of the Time Lords, there's a flashback to the Doctor and the Master as children on Gallifrey. Yes. Or the Master, sorry. And the Master has been driven mad by staring into the vortex. So and he's a child. I think using that logic, I'm going to go with William Hughes, because that child was not played by <laughs> Sasha Darwin or John Sim. I don't know, they can do wonders with uh, digital <laughs> yeah, effects true, these yeah. days. Could could William Hughes been one of the, the decrepit Masters? I don't think so. I think there's Jeffrey, Jeffrey Beavers, Beavers and... Anthony oh, something? yeah. Well, let's find out. Do you know? I'm definitely getting the more challenging questions here. I, I <laughs> full rigged. <laughs> You've rigged the TARDIS. You've cannibalised the TARDIS. <laughs> Don't lose that page. Hey, William Hughes was the youngest actor to take on the role of the master, playing him as a child during The Sound of Drums and The End of Time. Oh, there was oh. a flashback in The End of Time, wasn't there? Yeah, there you go. The crowd cheering distantly <laughs> in the background. Right, let's go and watch some Doctor Who. 